I'm David Foster. I'm a professor of biology and environmental science here at Messiah and chair of the sustainability studies uh, major. And today I have the privilege to interview my daughter, Danica, who is also a student here about to graduate. Hello, my name is Danica Foster. I am a senior biology and Spanish double major. I'm actually applying for a dual degree, so I'll graduate with a BS in biology and a BA in Spanish. You, you've been interested in sustainability, though, and, and tell me about some of your interest in sustainability perhaps before you came to Messiah as a student, and then uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe where that's taken you now. Well, I guess kind of a little informally, since you are my dad, I'm going to blame it all on you. Um, I would say that my interest in conservation, at least, kind of came from what I knew growing up um, on a lake in kind of rural Wisconsin, where going to the thrift store was everyday behavior. Why buy something new when you can save what you already have? Uh, when you can pick up a deer off the side of the highway and eat it because it's still fresh, why would you need to buy beef, which has more fat content anyways? Yeah, the Lord did bless us with a, a feeling of humbleness and, and uh, poverty for a while. <laughs> so your, your study abroad semester in Chile? Yes, the one that I just finished. And, and what particular events in that really grabbed your attention and grabbed your heart about sustainability? I've really started to notice universal themes. Uh, I kind of started off, as they say in New Zealand, with my feet in two wakas, or two different canoes. I started off with my love for biology and my love for Spanish, but seeing them as different things. And in Chile, where I was speaking Spanish, and in El Salvador, which is a trip I took with the Agape Center sophomore year, I started to realize that certain issues are global. Um, certain things like who's affected by the mining industry, certain things like who's affected by the fact that all of our fruit in winter comes from Chile. And just being able to see universally the paper plantations and the control of natural resources in other countries, specifically by outside entities, was something that was really a matter of reconciliation for me and kind of a convergence of my two interests. Hmm. I think in particular, I remember you mentioning to me the hydropower development in southern Chile being something that really, really grabbed your attention, particularly after your backpacking trip to Torres del Paine. As someone who's grown up in the wilderness and someone who's learned through hiking and through experiences in nature to value nature and to value ecosystems, um, what you're saying, yeah, it really did grab my heart. There's a movement called Patagonia Sin Represas, which is Patagonia without dams. Um, there's an outside entity again that once, well, actually it's been approved to put five dams in Patagonia where the land is already prone to flooding, where the people are already trying to live off eating the scenery, as we say. It's really sad to me to be able to appreciate this national park for its beauty, for its world-renowned beauty, and to be able to see that the greed for the electricity is being run from Patagonia, not halfway up the country to Santiago, but even further north, all the way up to the other end, hours and hours and hours by bus to be used in the mining industry. And that, to me, is really kind of an issue of greed and kind of an issue of justice. Mm. Justice in terms of the people that are, are sacrificing their livelihood in the tourist industry to have the dams put in are not the ones benefiting from from it directly. It's the mining industry in the north and the companies that run that. It's that. It's the fishing industry, and it's also all of the middlemen. When you think about the Alaska pipeline or the proposal for the Keystone um, pipeline for the tar sands, all the people in the middle have to deal with this pipeline. All the migratory birds have to deal with what happens when we're running this electricity. Or if you're running it underground, whose resources mm -hmm. are you disturbing and where are the resources going? Mm-hmm. What, uh, what projects in sustainability you're coordinating the Turn, off, turn It Off campaign here for uh, apartments, uh, residences to 
turn down their electricity use with the electric bill. But what other projects on campus here really got you excited about sustainability and really are things you hope get carried on after you graduate? There are kind of some little things that I've been exposed to. I guess my freshman year, EarthKeepers put out a plea for people who wanted to go to the PowerShip conference, which was looking at renewable and new sources of energy. And kind of as a freshman, I said, yeah, kind of a bandwagon jumper. But I really learned a lot from that conference. I've learned a lot through working with um, even SustainFest that helped plan that this year and seeing how everyone has a part of sustainability and seeing how that strain of conservation is really ingrained in the best practices of every group, every organization. So I would say that sustainability projects that have almost found me have almost come to my interests. And it's been really a process of reconciliation. I would use that word again in just realizing that the things I'm interested in are ingrained everywhere. Um, I've been working actually with the uh, senior gift committee this year and kind of going into that I felt really honored that um, Dan Custer picked me as one of the people to work with the committee and uh, we had the opportunity of picking between several projects but it was looking like secretly how I had hoped that the proposal would lean towards a sustainable initiative and um, I'm taking uh, with you this semester actually the um, environmental field techniques class. And we started off our field techniques class the very first day with a weeding project, Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of getting hands-on involved in the rain garden that has been placed off campus to um, convert stormwater back into water that can be reintegrated into the environment. Um, I was very excited to be able to help kind of speak to what is a rain garden and speak to how can the senior class give back to the environment and give back to Messiah College. Um, Getting local farmers involved in the SustainaFest and just kind of helping give back to the college in a way that's reaching out to the community at the same time. Yeah, I understood you even drafted some retired professors to come in and teach us how to make bread. <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> going back again to formation, one of our neighbors, um, Pauline Stevick, the professor of Dr. Stevick, I had her come in and do a workshop from her perspective um, through her trials and errors as a housewife on how to bake bread and help out the next generation of do-it-yourselfers. I understand that you have chosen to change your living habits here at Messiah your last year in the college. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the group that you live with in the Restoration House and maybe some history of that outfit. I guess I might blame this one on you a little bit again. Um, The Restoration House, as you know, was formed in 1999 as the Greenhouse, um, a kind of a group of students returning from Osable with a kind of mentality, well, sell your iPod, buy a cow, what can you be doing for the environment, and how can you really be getting your hands dirty and getting involved? And so I kind of grew up with this focus on I want to end up in the Restoration House. Uh, For me, I kind of see the dorm living as the norm. And I'm kind of one who likes to fight the norm. I'm one who likes to fight the kind of ingrained, this is how we do it. Our house is kind of a a grab bag, a mitts bag of people who in some way, shape, or form care about the environment. We may have people that are interested in gardening who might not really understand the connection with composting or understand Mm. what it means to shut your light off at night. So even as a community of people who are interested in sustainable practices, we come at it from different angles. I was kind of characterizing, we have this stereotype that we're the hippie house because hey you guys are granola eaters speaking of alumni we do have the (laughs) alumni that walk around campus barefoot and the alumni that have climbed trees but we've also had leaders in the garden and we've had leaders in engineering initiatives Um, but i kind of categorized my roommates this weekend we have the fashionable hippie who does the gardening we have the granola making hippie we have the uh, thrift store sweater wearing hippie and um, we have the 
nerdy science hippie, and then I guess they categorized me as the activist hippie, the one who does the reading and writing and informing <laughs> of the outside community. Tell us a little bit about the renewal conference that other students might be involved with in the future, and uh, out of that, what writing assignments have come? I would love to see. That's one of my dreams that I felt really challenged on on my trip to El Salvador, is to see Messiah students in the broader community. We talk so much about bringing the conversation of the global church here to campus, which I think we do a very good job on, but we also need to have campus leave the building a little bit. And I got to go to the Renewal Summit, which is um, Students Caring for Creation, and we had a good representation there of several different schools from the United States and Canada. And we got to run ideas off of each other. We got to see the Wheaton kids' eyeballs, you know, get a little wider when they said, really, you got this garden on your campus? And we got to talk to them about selling couches as a fundraiser. <laughs> um, so it was neat to get to meet with them. Um, but also through Sustainafest and through Renewal, I've gotten to meet um, Ben Lowe this year, who wrote um, The Green Revolution. And I felt really called, actually, in my writing as a form of expression and a form of kind of self-development to start a sustainability column in the student newspaper this year. So I've been starting off, you know, really sarcastic, like we're not all just hippies and moving into themes more now of a sense of environmental justice, of eco-justice. And Ben, actually, I quoted him when he was on campus for Sustainafest. He picked up my article and he asked me to write for um, Evangelical Environmental Network. And I wrote for him an article just kind of highlighting different projects on campus. And it's really evolved, actually. Um, the Creation Care magazine is now going to be featuring a four-page spread of my writing and just kind of highlighting the things I'm excited about and the things that I want other people to know about Messiah. So I'd love to see other students continue to get involved and to be part of this larger conversation, but also to realize you're not alone. Really, it's a movement, and um, we can build each other up in that. Well, I'll just ask you one more thing because we're about out of time, but if you would share, is there one particular passage of scripture that motivates you when you think of, of sustainability and how you feel you should act in the world? There are kind of actually a couple. So I'd like to start with um, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I think it's really easy for Christians to realize that creation is God's and they will fight for that. They will fight against anyone who wants to discredit God from creating it. It's easy for us to realize that our money is a resource from God too. Every time we talk about tithing in church, but to think of it as every single resource is ours, the energy, the sacrifice of the people who work in the mines, who do mine the coal, the sacrifice of the fish who can no longer migrate, um, and to realize that the fish are the Lord's, the energy is the Lord's, and we need to be responsible in our use of that. The Bible also says that, um, as well as Christ being the firstborn of all creation, that Christ's sacrifice is for all creation. Christ is coming back again to reconcile all things onto him. And to realize that, just stemming from the resources are his, creation is his, salvation is for all of creation. Salvation is for everything in creation. And, and where does that come from in the Bible? That's from Colossians 1.15 through 20. Mm -hmm. um, so again, claiming through that, we hear it in our, our CCC classes that created and called for community. What is God's call for our lives? But not just us. What is God's call for all of creation? And what is God's redemption plan in the light of all creation? And to realize that, um, along with meeting new friends from new colleges, you can almost realize your kindredship with the yellow breeches. You can realize your kindredship with your ecosystem that you find yourself a part of. And one thing that I really learned in New Zealand through an ecological anthropology class was to be able to say, this is my mountain and this is my stream. My ancestors have lived here and now I have the privilege of being a part of it myself. This has been an episode of Listen Up, a Messiah College podcast. For more information or to listen to past episodes, please visit the Listen Up website at blogs.messiah.edu.
backslash listen up.